I, I want to talk about icons again real quick. <laughs> Hooray! Speaking of eject.mom. <laughs> well, so I, I posted this. I saw this video and I posted it in the Slack the other day um, about uh, kids and the floppy disk icon. Mm-hmm. The save button. Yeah, in, I think it was in defense of the floppy disk. And uh, I, I, so she did a study, kind of. She did a, a survey where she asked a bunch of people on Reddit who claim they're teenagers to identify the literal representation of an icon. So she showed them a picture of an icon. She said, what is this thing? And then she asked them, uh, so what does this thing represent? And uh, the idea is to try to figure out if people understood what a floppy disk was. And it turns out that like 80% of people know what a floppy disk is. uh, But like everybody knows that it means save. And in that episode a while back, we were talking about the eject button as a substitute for logout. And you could use this to argue, I think, incorrectly that the eject button uh, could be used to mean logout. And I think the difference is that the floppy disk is dead and it has been for a long time. So, like, as an actual thing that is still in use, that's it, it's not anymore. It's not a thing that's in use. Whereas we still deal with ejectable media all the time. And so I think it's okay to redefine the floppy disk as since you're no longer saving to a floppy disk, which is what that used to literally mean. Cause there used to be a way to save it like floppy disks and CDs and stuff like that. Now it just means generic save. Sure. But the eject button still exists as a th- You still eject shit all the time. Like that's just something you have to do. And so I don't think you can start changing its meaning, uh, while it's still being used for something else. And this relates to dark patterns. <laughs> no, it <Okay>. doesn't. No, <laughs> I was like, I don't, I'm not following this connection. So I think the use of the eject button is a dark pattern because you're trying to eject your hard drive, but actually you're logging. Yeah, it, it, I could, I, there, there's probably a way to argue that it is uh, a dark pattern of some, in some sense. Although I think the inverse would be worse. I think if you had an eject button on your keyboard that actually powered down your computer, that, <laughs> that would be worse than an eject button in the browser that actually just signs you off instead of, ejecting your disk but that, that's a perfect example of the eject button still having relevant meaning in oh. today's society in oh. today's technological society my keyboard doesn't have an eject button but that's well yeah mine either or a disk drive for that matter yeah my keyboard doesn't have a disk drive either i meant the computer but thank you um <laughs> so so your argument there is the eject button just or eject symbol just isn't dead enough that it can be right. repurposed right. yet but the floppy disk is Yep. Hmm. Yep. Interesting. Yep. Because icon meaning change over time. Sure. And she has a bunch of great examples that are like hanging up the phone, pulling over to the side of the road, like that kind of thing. Welcome to Interface. My name is Andrew Lilja, and with me as always, literally always, you're the only person who's been on every episode of the show, is Ian Fuchs. That's, uh, Hello, Ian. That's that's good for now, although I will forewarn that there's there's a possibility that there may be a day or two where I have to miss. I'll try not to. You know to. what? One of these days, you won't be able to make it, and Chase won't be able to make it, and it'll just be me talking to a microphone for an hour, and that'll be the most terrible episode of the show. Or the best. Or the best. Yeah, it's true. I'm really, I'm the lifeblood of this podcast. <laughs> you'll just, you'll just read all of your, you just read the Slack conversation that we have about oh whatever God. topic for yes. the week. Like Ian says, and then I said, and then, <laughs> and then two hours later, Chase said. 
Yeah, right. And I, I'll add my own thoughts in there too. In between the two hours that between me saying something and Chase saying something. That's that's quality podcasting material right there. So Ian, I heard that you subscribe to a whole bunch of newsletters and now don't know how to unsubscribe from them. <laughs> well, I figured out a way to unsubscribe from them, kind of. But the uh, the bigger question for me is how did I get subscribed to them? And that right, seems like the right. weird part. Um, I use a service. Actually, speaking speaking of newsletters, real quick, I just so do you know the difference between bacon and spam is? The difference between bacon and spam? People yeah. want bacon and nobody wants spam. Well, Hawaiians do, but uh, so spam is stuff you didn't sign garbage you didn't sign up for, and bacon is garbage that you signed up for, thinking you were going to like it, and then you got rid of it, or then it just counts as spam for you too. I heard that like ten years ago, and I don't think it actually exists anywhere. I think it was something that Time Magazine tried to make happen, but it's funny. Um, no, so I I use a service called Unroll Me, which mm-hmm. is I'm sure they're collecting boatloads of data about me, but you basically let it act as a filter between you and your inbox. And so when spam comes in, it will flag things as spam and either archive them, add them to a daily, uh, like breakdown email where it's like, here's everything that you received today. That was like promotional crap or here's, or or they let things go through the, to the inbox. So like if I get an email from Chipotle that can just go to the daily rollup because it's not that important. But, I could get an email from, you know, woot.com. I want to see that every day in theory because I signed up for it. And so it's important to see that every day so you don't miss whatever the deal is. So those kind of things. But how I got signed up for all these things, like you said, that becomes, or like I said, that becomes the weird thing about all this is how do we get thousands and thousands of things on there? Yeah, well, because the companies profit from having you do that accidentally and then making it very difficult for you to get off them. And this is something called uh, dark patterns. Uh, the dark or website says that a dark pattern is a user interface that has been carefully crafted to trick users into doing things such as buying insurance with their purchase or signing up for recurring bills. And like most people have seen this, right? When you sign up, when you buy something online, there's the checkbox that you have to read very carefully to make sure you're not accidentally signing up for a newsletter you don't want to receive. Right. And so uh, a really good example of this, uh, and I was actually just, oddly enough, talking to a coworker the other day about this. Um, we were talking about AAA and how great of a service AAA offers. But when you sign up for AAA, one of the things, if you sign up online at least, one of the things that you agree to and all those little checkboxes you have to click is that they will share your email address or home address with yeah. other people. And you don't, if you're just like, whatever, I'll agree to your terms. And I, it may be one of those things where it's like a single agree. And it's like, well, I don't agree to all of this, but I really want the service. So I have to agree to it. I don't have another option. Right. And then right. all of a sudden you're on a hundred mailing lists for whatever stupid crap they're, they're selling this month. Right. Actually. So dark patterns are interesting to me because I've for a long time been really upset that, uh, that my chosen profession doesn't have like an evil application. So, like, if you're an architect, you could potentially use those skills for burglaries and that kind of thing. This is the closest we get. You, it's like the dark side of UX. It's specifically tricking. It's it's knowing which what you know about what makes user interfaces easy to use, uh, frictionless and transparent, and then going out of your way to make those things non-frictionless and non-transparent, so you can trick people into doing things they wouldn't want to do otherwise. Sure. It's so evil. So. I'm sure these, these types of things have existed for dozens of years. Um, 
but the, sure, the yeah. internet has made it made it far worse. And a really a really early example that I always think of whenever you bring up dark patterns is you're updating Adobe Flash or um, Acrobat Reader or one of those, and you go through that those all the click next click next click next click next as you go through all of the update prompts, and one of them is always, do you want to install the Yahoo toolbar? Oh my God! Right? Yeah, exactly. And and it's default checked. And if you're not yeah. paying attention to each of those screens, all of a sudden you end up with the Yahoo toolbar, and then your search engine is right. Yahoo, and you get all these stupid buttons on your browser that you don't want. And it slows it down. That one's particularly insidious because people tend to stick to, to the defaults; just they want to get through it, they're not paying close attention, and so you can you can use that to make them do things they wouldn't want to do otherwise. That can benefit you. You being the evil corp. <laughs> Evil corporation, right? Yeah, you being uh, hospital, right? You being NBN. Yeah, um, all my Netrunner fans will get that. It's I don't get it. So, <laughs> um, so what are I, I don't know if you want to start at what are some really bad offenders, or if you want to start at just some examples. Sure. Your, well, uh, there's Alyssa Part breaks it down into three groups here. There's more, but these are like the three big ones. Um, so it's that people don't read pages, they scan them. People tend to stick to the, to the defaults and people will do things that they see other people are doing. And so that means you can like, for example, bury negative feedback. And I'm always skeptical when I go to like a manufacturer's website to buy something and they have reviews there. Cause if you've ever seen a product on a website that has less than like 4.8 star reviews or something like, like that, their own, on those websites. their own product on their own site. Right. Uh, once or twice, maybe, but very rarely. And I always imagine that's just because the algorithm hasn't gotten to that one yet. Or else that's something they're not interested in selling, so they don't care if uh, that negative review is up there because it lends the entire website authenticity by saying, look, no, we don't take down all the negative reviews. But you know they do. Sure. Um, or there's, you know, the uh, the default one is really when you can benefit from somebody's mistakes or you can hide information in ways like burying the lead, right? If somebody comes to your website and they're looking for something particular and you want them to spend as much time there as possible. So you can say to your advertisers, look how long people stay on our site, look at all these things you're doing. Or you can make links that look, or you can make ads that look like links that people click on looking for the information they're looking for. There's lots of ways of tricking people into doing things that you want them to do uh, to prevent them from doing the things that they want to do. Sure. Um, so a, a couple places that I see this, like you said, advertising and the things that look like links, uh, probably one of the worst things that I can think of on the internet is, well, I shouldn't say the worst things on the internet because there's some pretty bad stuff on the internet. One of the worst examples of this on the internet that I can think of in at least recent memory is a website where they had basically like a, a word auto linker to, s- oh my God, to sell yes. ads or I assume to, to, to sell uh, affiliate products. So you see a link in the text and it looks like they're like, Oh, I had this great experience using this KitchenAid knife set that right. I just bought. Right. And instead of it linking to like a KitchenAid knife set, like I thought it's linking to some junk, super sketchy, right. Third party. Right. That, yeah. that the auto linker has, has placed a link on to, to sell you, whatever crap they're they're selling that's a company that's a company that does is their their entire purpose is to do that exact thing they have an, a program that runs to your page and this is all in javascript so it's on the user's end of things that uh makes those links and sends you out to places you don't want to be right 
And the worst part is that oftentimes those links, they're designed to look very, very similar to the natural link style on that page. So you think you're clicking on a link to take you something interesting and you don't. Yeah. There's an interesting anecdote that I read a while back and I, I can't find it. I'll see if I can track it down for the notes where um, somebody, I can't remember if this is a consultant or just an anecdote of how to design these pages. But basically, you when you signed up for The Economist or The New York Times, there was a way to select uh, – there was three options. You could get just digital subscription, just print subscription, or a combination of both with various price, prices in between. And it was cheaper to just do the combination. Like in total, you were getting more, the more bang for your buck. Uh, but the default was to go for the print subscription, which cost the same amount, but only give you access to the print subscription because that was the higher profit margin for the company that was producing it. And they found that like the vast majority of the users weren't reading the page and they weren't changing the defaults. They are going for the option that gave them less but cost the same amount as the one that gave them the full access. That's that's pretty common, I think, with with any type of subscription service website too. Is that they're they're always going to focus on whatever the high margin item is or highest margin item is because right. obviously that's that's the best for their pocket. But at right. the same time, I think that. As we get into this era of subscriptions for everything, I mean, you're literally subscribing to everything now, whether it's yeah. your coffee being delivered to your house or your razor blades, like we joked about, you know, a few weeks ago, or your TV service or whatever, like everything is subscription now. I think people are looking for better deals, or at least trying to look for better deals or the best deal they can get at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a similar issue with a magazine subscription where... Um, I, th- I want to say it was Wired, maybe Rolling Stone, one of those, um, where y- you had an option to get the digital subscription, the print subscription, or the digital and print. But if you bought the print subscription and only the print subscription, you could download their app, enter in your account number, and you automatically got the digital subscription either way. Oh, man. So they, they were upselling you $5 a month or whatever whatever the, the fee was. Something you could get already. For something that you already got. So it was like, oh, well, for this extra $25, you get print and digital instead of just print. But for the $25 less, just getting the print version for 12 bucks or whatever, you also got the digital. (laughs) Oh, man, that's terrible. There's lots of garbage like that. Some some of the particularly nasty ones are the the free trial that automatically rolls into the subscription. Yep. and then when you're doing e-commerce, you go to a website, listen to me, e-commerce, I'm like a 30-year-old man, uh, so old, uh, you use e-commerce and you go to the cart, you add something to it, and then it automatically adds something else in there, whether like it's like we mentioned, the insurance or something else like that. Sure. Uh, Best Buy does that. Uh, we, we recently oh, bought yeah. a, uh, a new microwave and it default adds the three-year protection plan. Ugh, gross. And... So then I, I removed the protection plan and it was like, do you also want to remove the item from your cart? And I was like, the item, what do you mean? And it tried to remove the microwave. I was like, I, I was, I was like, why, why would I want to remove the microwave? Like, no, I just yeah. want to remove this $50 tack on charge. Like get out of here. Oh, that's really bad. Other really good examples. Uh, insurance. When you, uh, sign up for insurance oh. and they, they automatically will put you in whatever the complete overkill protection option is. You know, I, right. I need, I need car insurance for a car that costs, uh, even brand new costs $30,000. Yeah. 
And so my insurance covers my my vehicle up to $180,000 or whatever. And I'm like, what, what mm. kind of car do you think I'm driving? <laughs> See, that's interesting because I feel like in that case, it's not intentional. Uh, that's sort of dark pattern through laziness or just a lack of understanding of the part of the company producing it. Because like they can make it easy for you if they tried. I just like it's still the basically they're exposing you to their internal metrics where like they have these brackets of expensiveness for cars and it's up to you to figure out which one you need then they could just do that really easily for you and i I guess i don't know if that's intentional on their part which i doubt or if it's just them being lazy and not taking the work they need to do in order to uh make it easy for their users i will put this out there i i have insurance to progressive and and it was not progressive that did this it was insurance and and Mm -hmm. my understanding after pricing out insurance and uh, seeing kind of some reviews and stuff like that is that insurance is a company that is built on dark patterns. <laughs> like that is yeah. their entire model is let's try to just wrangle you into all these corners, corners all at the same time. So another one of their things they you know they brag about how they they'll beat a progressive rate or a State Farm rate or Allstate or whatever right. by fifty percent for the first year, but that's always in the subtext at the bottom. So it's like oh well your insurance will only be. $30 a month for the first year or whatever. And then the next yeah. year it's like, Oh, now it's $130 a month. And it's like, well, holy hell. Like how did we, how did we make that jump? Right. And that's really common for like telecom providers too. Yeah. Um, I actually have a really, I had a really good experience with Comcast, but now you just made me realize it wasn't as great as I thought. Uh, <laughs> I went and yeah. Well, so I went and I got com- internet for them. And it went really well. I figured I was able to easily pick exactly what I wanted and not get upsold on anything. It was really easy for me to take the things off that I didn't need. And I, the whole time I was like, something's got to be wrong here. Like, this is way too easy. Uh, so they have to be like tricking me into it somehow. But then at the very end, it was like, here's how much it's going to cost you right now. Here's how much it's going to cost you every month. It's not going to here. And just like, here's the total thing. It's like, but that's not, but this is, but you're not lying to me. Like, how am I getting screwed here? And the truth is that I, I wasn't until I realized now that they, they say it in a sort of hidden way that this is what it's going to be like for the first year. And then after that, it's going to go up, but nowhere do they say how much more expensive it's going to be after that first year, what you can do. And I, I only know this because I recently also did the Comcast thing. Uh, and there is a like terms and conditions thing with Mm -hmm. each plan. And if you read through that somewhere about a third of the way down, there's a section where they say, uh, after 12 months, price will increase to whatever the current rate is. And then they always give like current rate as of X date that this was last updated is this. Now, one that I ran into with Dish Network when we had that for TV was a similar thing where they were like, oh, well, it'll go up to whatever the rate is. And they were very upfront. The current rate that it will go up to is uh, $100 instead of $80. And I was like, okay, $20 increase. What they didn't tell you and what they buried was that every year that rate increases $5. And as far as oh I know, it is in in perpetuity. That's terrible. So by the time that it came around, my rate went up $25. And then a year later, when I could now ask for the reduced rate, they were like, yeah, we can give you the reduced rate. Now the $80 plan is $90 because it's gone up $5 yeah. twice. I'm like, what? So we, I think we live in a world now where... We know enough about human psychology that we can hack it for our own nefarious ends. Like, how many businesses are built on this, and how? What, what do we do to stop it? Like, can you can you legislate against it, or do you just have to sort of have an overwhelming amount of good design and make sure that people are know there's been good and bad? 
like this is this is if they're everywhere, like what do you do to fight it? Or do you just give in and accept that like 10% of your income every year is going to go into you being tricked into, uh, 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 spending money on things you didn't mean to because not because you're dumb or you're not a savvy customer or anything like that, but simply because you, somebody broke into your brain and, uh, basically stole money from you because you didn't know it was happening because you were un- incapable of doing it. I think a big part of of where we are now and like you said we're we're spending money on things we don't need and and you're saying it as far as the services we're picking, but I think that even wider scope than that just collectively as a society we are spending money on crap we don't need. Like the things that we're signing up for in right. the first place we probably don't need and then the upcharge that's hidden inside of that is just extra crap we don't need. You know, do you really need right, the right. unemployment insurance on a credit card that you're planning on only using for work things and getting reimbursed for? Probably not because work's going to reimburse you and you're not going to have a balance on that card unless it's for a work thing and whatever. So don't get tricked into checking the box for the insurance, even though it's only $4 a month. Um, and well, and that's never worth right. it. Right. <laughs> and uh, so like, things like that's that just a thing people know. And I also think that, that it, at an, in an era where convenience seems to be the winning thing for people, because that's that's what all of this comes down to. All the subscription services are just for convenience. All of the online shopping right. is for convenience. All the the software that we're downloading and trying to get for free is for convenience because we're, we're cheap. So I think that being a smarter consumer and not and, and assuming, like you said, you were looking at the Comcast thing. Where am I getting screwed? And I don't think there are enough mm-hmm. people saying, where am I getting screwed right now to, to take the time to figure out where they might be getting screwed. And so instead they just, so they just agree to the contract and they say, yep, that sounds great. And then all of a sudden you're, you know, 14 months in on a two year cell phone contract with a phone that's four years old because right. you didn't read the right. details or didn't understand what it entailed. But they go, I mean, companies go out of their way to make sure that even if you try to read the details, you can't, it's, it's hard to uh like like legalese is basically i mean it used to be that it was very precise language that said exactly what things were but now i feel like it's much more like uh intentionally designed to obfuscate the meaning of what you're actually saying so if the average person tries to get in there and look at it they can't do it they're just unable to do so right so maybe there's companies out there that uh are it, they exist to rate like terms of service and that kind of thing. So you can figure out what's going on, but also like companies that are out there just to translate these legalese into like clear way into, into English. You can understand exactly what you're signing up for. Sure. What does it mean when we have to rely on a third party service to give us information about the third party service that we're trying to sign up for? Hey everybody. It's Ian again. This week I want to talk to you about Twitter. Of all the social media platforms, it's my favorite. So much so, in fact, that it serves as my main source of almost all news. But that's a topic for another week. Anyway, if you're anything like me, we'd really appreciate it if you could look us up on Twitter at underscore interface FM and follow us. Not only that, but if you tweet a topic suggestion to us with the hashtag HelloInterface, we'll discuss it on an upcoming show. Again, that's at underscore interface FM and the hashtag hello interface. And as always, thanks for being a loyal listener. So we depend on third parties sometimes to help us avoid the 
terms and condition traps, the dark patterns that exist on the internet. Um, and I, I can't think of a good example of that with the exception of maybe, uh, unroll me that I use for unsubscribing from emails, which helps me avoid the traps of crap because it just deletes the spam emails. <laughs> but right. at the same well, time, so many, I, I, but in the same time, so your question before we took our break was what happens when we have to depend on those third parties? Well, then you have to trust the third party, <laughs> right? Right. Exactly. Um, so, and there's, I mean, I, it's the sort of thing you'd want a nonprofit to do, but I don't think there's enough motivation there for a nonprofit to actually do it. Right. And so like, I know for me, unroll me. One of the things that I found out after having signed up for it and using it for like six months is that they do actually, at at least at some high level kind of scan what's coming through. Mm -hmm. And so I I don't know if you remember uh, a little over a year ago, uh, the Apple watch had just actually been released and some company released like estimated sales numbers like, Oh, the Apple watch has sold 2 million units. And we know this because email and we're tracking the receipts that come through email. It was a service kind of like unroll me that was looking at everything that came through it that they were trying to filter. And then anything that came through that was a receipt for an Apple watch, they were like adding to a tally sheet and saying, Oh, well we sold this many were sold. And we know this because this artificially generated number based on electronic receipts. Mm, that's so sketchy. Oh, see, that's what happens when you give that. So I'll never use on Romy because I feel super fucking uncomfortable giving any company direct access to something as personal as my email. Yeah. It's one thing when it's on device. So things like spark, a lot of email applications these days are, uh, they'll automatically categorize things for you. And I realize that a lot of this is sort of already, uh, hypocritical because i use gmail and gmail is the ultimate of that of sort of thing because google can read can and does read everything there um but i for whatever reason i trust google more than i trust some weird independent company um sure i, I think i think part of it's because google has a very while people may not like it a very reliable track record of only using your data that they collect for themselves, themselves, right? They're not your, right. and yes, some of it may be to serve ads to you on the websites you visit that use AdSense. And that's one thing. Right. But at the same time, I would much rather, it's all through Google, right? it's all through Google. And I would much rather search the internet or browse the internet and experience ads targeted to me based on the things that came to my inbox than ads targeted to my grandma because right. we are very different people and probably look at very different things on the internet. There's still risk with that. Uh, I cannot pronounce his name, but it's the guy who writes idle words. Um, has this great talk about it's called haunted by data, and it's about uh, storing users' data correctly and how you should treat it. And the truth is, people just don't do a good job of supporting that or of storing the data in a way that's secure and private and encrypted. But so that means, like, my worry here is at any point Google had the huge leak, and now all my personal information is out there because yeah. Google knows like basically everything about me. I just know that now, and so I'm hoping they're treating it, the data correctly. Right. And that's that's a thing that you you do risk with any any big service. But at the same time, the and this is kind of goes to an iOS 10 thing that's coming is the differential privacy thing. Google is doing some similar stuff to that where they are randomizing and anonymizing the information they are collecting. At, Which is what you're supposed to At least to, do. to some extent. Now, Google, yes, obviously they're tracking you to some some degree with whether it's cookies on your device or whatever, or they're 
using that to serve you the correct ads based on your browsing oh, and your behavioral targeting stuff. But see right there, like that means the fact that you don't even know is a pretty important thing. Well, I, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't personally know, right. but I, I do know, I'm sure it is known what they're using to target. I don't personally know because it doesn't bother me, but it, yeah, but it's that trust, right? Sure. You trust that Google yes. is probably not doing anything super skeevy. Yes. And because, and but it, because you're a smart person, you're a well-informed consumer. If you had the ability to, and I'm not saying you're dumb, it's just that like nobody except lawyers do. You'd go read the terms of service right. and figure out what I, they were actually if doing. If I had time to read, to read actually, one of those. <laughs> right. And there's sites that exist called terms of service didn't read. Uh, and they go through and they rate everybody and they say like how well they do and what specifically the things are in the terms of service that uh, are good and what are bad. Okay. And you can go you can look at Google. Google has a class C because they do a lot of really crummy stuff with your data. Sure. Oh, terms of service. So, That's where this all goes to. We're back to that yeah. again. <laughs> so one of the things I want to talk about is we know that dark patterns are the reverse side. They're the, the upside down of uh, good patterns. Uh, and the air in the dark patterns is toxic and it's full of floating ash. But is there a way that you can use dark patterns for good purposes, for good end results? Um, Hover does a really good job with this. You would like to thank our sponsor, Hover, for today's episode. Uh, yeah. Sure. Aspirational. Aspirational sponsor, <laughs> Hover. Uh, buy and sell domain names like interface.fm and interfacepodcast.com. And eject.mom. Eject um, no, Hover does a really good job with this, where I, what would normally be considered a dark pattern is that when you buy a domain name, if you can have who is privacy on it, they automatically check that box to give you who is privacy. Oh. They don't charge. See, but that's good design. Right, it's good design. And it, it would normally be a dark pattern anywhere else. Oh, I see. Because yeah. it would be an upcharge. Hover just includes an that. An upsell. Right, an upsell. Right. Hover just includes it and says, we're automatically going to make sure you have this because nobody really wants their personal information stuck on a domain. At least I don't mm-hmm. think so. Mm-hmm. So... Uh, yeah. Unless you're trying to be like radically honest about something. No, and I see that, but that seems like the right thing to do because we know that people are unlikely to use or to change from the defaults. And so that means that you need to provide a sensible default every time. That's just a a good design. I'm thinking more like tricking somebody into doing something that actually winds up being good for them. And one of the only things I can think of is like a habit forming app. And I don't know how you do this, right? But if you can trick somebody into doing something that is it like an unequivocal benefit to them, I have. I that's a that's a that's a powerfully sh- and good use of a dark pattern. Sure. Here's a good one. Um, you can hatch eggs in Pokemon Go by walking X number oh of kilometers. Okay, get go on. But they don't posit the game as a fitness app. <laughs> Oh, sure. Okay, sure, sure. So you're suggesting that perhaps, what if this all was a big dark pattern from Michelle Obama to get us to go outside? Well, so in the, I don't, I don't remember what the event was now, over the week in Comic-Con, is that the thing that was last week? Uh, the CEO yeah. or something of Niantic gave a, a talk, and one of the things he said was that one of the side benefits of that they had considered when releasing the app was the increased physical activity that people may do to play the game. So it was something they had considered, but they did not mm-hmm. include that anywhere in the promotional stuff or the marketing stuff for it. They just, right. they just said, Hey, here's a game and you go out and you hunt Pokemon because that's what you do. And uh, ultimately people are out walking 
multiples of miles potentially every day to catch whatever they're trying to catch. I saw a thing on Reddit where a guy said that he went down a full pant size because of that. That's ridiculous. So that, okay, that, that's okay. a pretty good example. Yeah, I think because you, you've suddenly, with the guise of a game, you've tricked somebody into actually doing something good for them. I like that. Yeah, I, I, I actually I, I want more shit like that in my life. But does that still count as good design? Or is that a dark pattern, or is that just good design at that point? Um, I mean, like, what if you were trying to fatten yourself up for a role, like you're an actor? Then my assumption is you're keeping track of your calories in and calories out. You're just going to eat more. That's true. Okay, but maybe you're a very poor actor. <laughs> I have no explanation for that very small demographic of people listening to our show. <laughs> um, no, I mean, is it good design? Yes, it's good design. It's getting people out and moving around. But it is also kind of a dark pattern in, in the sense that they're, right. they're not promoting it that way. And they're not, they're not expressly, expressly saying, you should go exercise. They're just subtly forcing you to do it to play. <laughs> so what... It- is it a dark pattern if it allows you to do something, but it doesn't tell you what's going to happen if you lack certain context? What I'm thinking about are Amazon dash buttons, right? So, like, if you know what it's going to do, it's probably a really good thing. Mm-hmm. But if you just, like, walk in, let's say you are, like, uh, a Ukrainian immigrant and you come over here and you've never heard, I don't know why, Ukraine. That was very not specific. The 80s group. <laughs> yeah. You are some immigrant from somewhere and you've never seen Amazon dash buttons sure, before. You, you've been, and you have a general sense of what Amazon does, but like you don't really know. And so you just like press that button. Is it a dark pattern that if you, if you as the owner have turned all those, the security settings off because you know what it does and it's secure enough for you. Like, does that count as a dark pattern? Uh, does anything on Amazon, uh, most things on Amazon count as a dark pattern? <laughs> Everything on Amazon. Amazon it, is a, it's kind of a, a yeah. dark pattern trap. Um, yeah. I mean, is it a dark pattern? Probably yes, but I don't. That's another question of good design. Like, right? It, it's just like it's just like walking around. Like, it's a game you're playing, but you walk around. It's a button you push, but it costs you money every time you push it. Like, <laughs> that's the, it's the worst button in the world. If you just phrase it yeah, like that, that is the it, worst button. But that's all the the dash buttons are. It's that you're pushing a button to spend money. Yes, yes, on the other side of it, you do get product that is allegedly worth the money you spent. But when when you really break it down to its simplest form... Push button, pay money. Um, Anything else on dark patterns? You wanted to talk about uh, car naming. Well, I I think that's... Which I disagree with. I'm not sure there's time for that. (laughs) No, no, real real quick. I I think that they're both... it's both cars and it's mobile devices and lots of products now that um, have a dark patternness about their naming. Mm -hmm. Um, And the thing that actually tipped me into this is the Samsung galaxy S whatever number they're on now active, which they posit as being a, tough, durable phone. It's waterproof. It's shatterproof. It's all these, these things. One of the first official tests of it, they put it in water and drowned the phone and it stopped working. (laughs) So, okay. So they're, they're saying this phone can do all this. And in their commercials, they show it like it's getting sawdust thrown on it. It's getting dropped in water and thrown in mud and kicked down the stairs and covered in ketchup and beat this phone up. It's been a naughty, naughty phone. And then 
they the guy picks up the phone and he's like, Oh look, it's still working. It's totally fine. Yeah. And in reality, that doesn't seem to be the case. <laughs> right. So, so it, it, my question was, is that a dark pattern? Is that a cons- is that just being dishonest to consumers? Yeah, that's just a lie. Okay. <laughs> so 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 then <laughs> what is the line between um a dark pattern and a lie when it comes to when it comes well, to I products? Because that's the thing, like you think of dark patterns and you're thinking very heavily in the internet side and the website and right. your data or your money. But really anything that is designed to mislead the person on the other end is a dark pattern. Yeah. Sure. A lie. Yeah. A lie is a dark pattern or maybe a, a lie is a, a dark pattern of language. There you go. Um, and so then my, my point with, well, actually Chase was the one who made the point, uh, or wanted to make the point with cars, but I understand where he's coming from. Um, since he's not here today to do, defend himself. I guess I'll try to make the point that car naming I'll be chase is, uh, is equally complicated and can be misleading to consumers when you have, when you have things like touring in the name or sport in the right. name. And it's like, well, but right. does that actually mean anything? Or is that just a, an excuse for you to now charge me X dollars more than the other model? And yes, some of them do have more well, features in this and that and the other, but yeah. Why can't it be both? Right. So I, I th- we talked about this yesterday, and my first assumption was that it wasn't intentional. It was just like organizational incompetency in that they just don't know any better, or they don't, they're not aware of how complicated things have become. Like the Apple lineup is always one people talk about in the '90s when it was like a million different things, and it was impossible to tell what was what and what all the things were. Well, we're getting there again. But I, I'm starting <laughs> to think. Right. Well, we'll see. I think they're going to kill the MacBook Air, but that's something different. Um, I think now. A lot of what car naming is, is it's not to intentionally misdirect customers. It is so that car nerds, it's to signal to car nerds that like, yes, we know exactly what you want. And we make that thing for you. But if you're just an average consumer, you don't have to worry about all that because it just doesn't affect you. And so, so you're basically saying that one of the things about the, so Apple is a good example of this. The Apple lineup is that when you go to buy a, let's say a, a, a MacBook Pro, you have what on the outside appears to be two options, a 13 inch or a 15 inch. In reality, there's lots of sub options within that. Do you get the I five or the I seven, the bigger hard drive, the smaller hard drive, the whatever, all those configurations. Although I I mean, if you go to the website and actually look at it now, it's really not that bad. It's a laid out much more like a phone. Right. And so the big differentiators are the storage. And then after that, it's the processor. But, but in the car world, and where it gets maybe more clear is that if you want the one with the all-wheel drive, you get this model. And each one has a name. So instead of getting having all these like sub-models, yes. you have a name and it comes with this set of features. A name and it comes with this set of features. Right. And so maybe it's actually better for consumers and it's less of a dark pattern unless they haven't done their yeah. research. And then you get all the... Uh uh, then there's different packages and that kind of thing. No, that, that, that does get a little goofy because I think that, but I think those are intentionally designed as both dark patterns and ways of upselling you. So in order to get the feature you want, they've carefully put that into a package that costs you an extra $2,000 or something like that, even though you don't need everything sure, else in there. That's t- TV packages are the same way 
really any package deal is like that. Oh, I, I, I have right. this cable subscription, but I want Science Channel. That's the only channel in the next package up that I actually care about. Is, is Science Channel now worth $20 to me for that one channel? The answer is usually right. no. No. Well, and that's that one is, I think, a little different because that has to do with subsidizing well, right. other things. Right. But that's... But I, I, I take your point. Sure. And so that's that was all I was getting at with that, with that is you want one thing, but they're going to bundle this other crap in with it so that they can upsell it so that they can get more money out of you. Uh, right. Right. Dark patterns. It's just a way for people to get more money from you. Right. By hacking human psychology to... If we know how you're going to mess things up, we can use that for our own gain. You can find show notes for this week's episode at interface.fm slash 16. If you're into Reddit, you can drop in, join the conversation, tell us your favorite or least favorite dark patterns at our interface podcast. You can follow the show on Twitter. We tweet uh, like twice a week. <laughs> we should do better at that. Which, uh, we should do that daily. We, we should do better at that. Um, but you can follow us on Twitter at underscore interface FM. Uh, we're on Facebook Search Interface Podcast, like the page, and you won't miss any of that good stuff. And finally, thank you to you, the listeners, for tuning in and subscribing. And we'll be back next Monday and every Monday. I hate you so much. Like clockwork. Oh, I gotcha. You did that on purpose. You did that on purpose. Also found a dark pattern on hover or on buffer. Check this shit out right here. These garbage animals. Where is this coming? They're monsters. It's it's uploading. It's uploading. It's uploaded. Click that link. It'll take you right there. Connect. Follow buffer. Everything does that. I, and I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that is actually a Twitter. They give you the JavaScript for it. That is a Twitter dark pattern. Oh, that's so bad. So Twitter is forcing dark patterns on the world. I hate yeah. it. I, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that is the case. So, uh, you know, Doug Engelbart would have been really upset <laughs> with the concept of a dark pattern because he viewed the computer as a shared information space as a way, and Engelbart and Brett Victor both, as ways of enhancing human thought and ability. And a dark pattern is the opposite of that. It it does it doesn't enhance. It uh, takes advantage of the flaws in our thinking. Whereas I think you could talk to Brett or Doug, and they would both say that a, a computer should be designed to enhance our abilities and and to make those flaws something that we don't have to worry about. I'm going to step up my soapbox now. Can I can I talk to both of them? I thought. You can talk to Brett. Doug's. Uh, you can talk to Doug too, I guess, if you were a medium. That's that is a dark pattern industry. <laughs> <laughs> no kidding. That and like yeah, mystics, everything like that. that.